part of my brain is like, I need a degree right? to say that I can do this. <laughs> yes. You know, like, I, I, where's my degree that says you're, you're, you're appropriate you're allowed for, for to this. Do this. You're, yeah. You're, yes, yeah. you're allowed. I'm like, Welcome to episode three of Academics Mean Business. This is your host, Dr. Lindsay Padilla, also an academic and also an entrepreneur. And the goal of this podcast is to bring you the voices and the stories of academics who have started businesses, and some of them have even left the academy altogether. The guest for the third episode of this podcast is Dr. Ariane Machine, and she's a clinical and sports psychologist and also the co-founder of the Conscious Coaching Collective, which is an ICF-accredited life coaching program. She also is the director of Hello Totes. In the CCC, that programming has includes things like the food shift and, of course, media training for coaches. She also does business life coaching mentorship. She helps female entrepreneurs build their businesses and work on their self-growth during that process. She can be found in many online and print magazines, local media outlets, and academic publications, of course. And she has her first book coming out this winter in 2018. I was thrilled to chat with her and you're going to get obviously the full interview in just a few moments. But I just wanted to kind of give you a quick overview of what we discussed. Some of the most prominent pieces of our conversation um, first includes her story. Her background and her academic history is a long one. Um, and she was one of those academics who uh, moved around the country, uh, finding different jobs, getting different positions, and you know, deciding what types of schools she wanted to work at all the while having a husband, right, building a partnership and then building a family. And so I think her story will really resonate with a lot of women academics um, who, you know, decide to start families and realize the hardship in, you know, traveling and finding those those jobs that can actually, um, you know, support a family. We also talk a little bit about what it's like to have an advanced degree in the online entrepreneur space. And she specifically comes from a coaching background. So we'll talk a little bit about what that means. Uh, And we also talk about academic culture and some of the skill sets that we've learned in the academy that really benefits us as as uh, entrepreneurs. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear this interview. And so let me get that queued right up. All right. Today I have with me Ariane Machine, Dr. Ariane Machine. And I'm really excited about this interview. We had some tech difficulties um, yesterday, but now she sounds fantastic and <laughs> she is <laughs> ready to share her story with us today. So thank you so much for coming. I'm so happy to be here and so happy my microphone is working. Yes. <laughs> that is a good thing. You are going to be hearing her on many more podcasts and possibly starting her own yes. now that this thing is working. It was a sign. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> totally. So let's start with uh, the big question of what did you study in school and how far did you get in your academic journey? And why you decided to study what you studied. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm like, I'm like having to do a mental rewind of like, why did I do what I did? And like, where did I go? <laughs> right. I'm like, okay, back up, back up. Um, I'm going to like date myself a little bit. So I graduated college in 2000. And I knew at that time, it was my undergraduate degree. I don't know if you even care to know this, but it was in neuroscience because I was like, I am going to go to medical school. 
I was really excited. I was going to be an orthopedic surgeon. I always love sports. Um, but then I did a preceptorship in the emergency room. And I'm like, I don't think I like blood. I think this is a problem. <laughs> so <laughs> I was to like, go. I'm not going to do this. This is not a good... I even took my MCAT. Like, I was really serious. I'm like, oh, gosh, I need to switch gears a little bit. So that was honestly the first time I started listening to myself of like, okay, you, you're, you were on this path to do exactly what you thought you were going to do. And like, time to shift it a little bit. And like, kind of having a little inner turmoil of like, what is that like to shift it? I don't, I saw myself as this, but now I'm doing this. So I was like, okay, I'm still love sports. I love psychology. Um, cause I kind of studied the brain. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to look into being a sports psychologist, like a psychologist and a sports psychologist. So I'd interviewed people in the field of like, what do you do to do this? So I had the advice of to get a master's degree in kinesiology with a specialty in sports psych, which I did. I went to University of Minnesota. So moved there um, with my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband. I'm like, okay, let's go to... I picked Minnesota literally because his dad was a professor there and he was going there. And I'm like... And he had a good program. I'm like, makes perfect sense. I'm like, off to Minnesota we go. And I love Minnesota. Um, So I was there for a little bit. And then after my master's degree, I knew I was going to go and do a PhD. There was a special program in tech. Texas at University of North Texas that accepted one male and one female each year into their sports psych track. Um, I will tell you the first year I applied, I did not get in. And I was like, okay, was that not meant to be? Was it? So I contacted um, some people down there to be like, "Um, I'm kind of the perfect candidate, like not to be overly confident, but I'm like, I'm so perfect for this. Why did I not get, you know, like, what can I do to better myself? I'm going to apply again. So lessons learned. I spent one year in a mental hospital working that year. And I'm like, this is not what I want to be doing. So amazing motivation. Do something you hate. And you're like, I will not be doing this for very long. I was like, I am, this needs to end. This needs to end. I'm like, I am so out of here. Um, so like, I love the people, but I'm like, no, I don't want to be working in a hospital. So I got in that year and I was so excited. I love the program. Um, So I moved down to Texas and um, strangely, my husband and I got married. And so we lived apart. We traveled back and forth every other week. It was a little bit crazy. Um, So I was in North Texas and was working with a lot of the elite club level teams. Um, I worked with the university teams. I loved, I loved it all. Like I did, I, it's funny because I love the research part and I love the clinical part. Um, So what else? Um, after that, so I don't know what your process looked like, but after your after you finish your PhD, you need to go. You have an internship, and then a, I did a postdoc. So went on my internship to University of Delaware. You know, pack your bags. Like you're all over the place in Delaware. Then my postdoc was at University of Wisconsin Madison, which I picked at the time because my husband then had transitioned his job. He had been working the whole time. He moved from Minnesota. He, he moved because I was all over the place. So I'm like he moved from Minnesota to Wisconsin. We shared our apartment. Had like three apartments in different places. Um, So I ended up at UW-Madison. And at that point, I was like, I always wanted to work in a university counseling center, which that's where I was, working with athletes and working with just college student population. Um, I also love teaching. So I'd also do some teaching to graduate students and and supervise graduate students. Um, I love that. And um, I started doing it. And I had this like little like energy to be like, well, 
I kind of want to be doing stuff like on my own terms because I, I so resonate with what you, ha- you say, I don't know where you said this, something about like your inner rebel. And I'm like, I've always been an inner rebel, like in my mind, I'm like, you tell me, no, I will tell you yes. But like, I'm not going to tell you to your face, but like, I'll find out how to do it the other way. And then I'm going to do it. And then I'll show you like, I think mm-hmm. it's my competitive side, but mm-hmm. I'm like, I do it nicely. You know, like I'm going to, I'm going to do it the way I want to, but like, thank you for sharing. Um, so anyways, so I started having a private practice on the side, which I ah, loved okay. having my private practice. That was my first entrepreneurship. That was around 2008. I started having private practice, um, kind of like started getting into branding and like, who are my ideal clients and how do I reach out to people? And I love that. I think it's actually something, thankfully, that comes pretty naturally to me. Just relationship building, getting to know people, doing little free little workshop, like things we've done our entire lives for free because we've been students. And I'm like, it's nothing different. I'll just keep ah, being kind of a student that's a good doing, connection. doing stuff for free mm-hmm. to people, you know, like, oh, sure, I can go teach that. I can go do a workshop on that. And like just getting to know people of like where, you know, who, who would benefit from my services. So it was super easy, actually. Um, I actually got pretty busy over in my private practice. Um, I had a pretty good schedule and I'm like, okay, I'm teaching. And um, so I was teaching full time at a university, which I love teaching. And I was, was it tenure students. track or was it um, like as an adjunct part time yeah, lecture? It, it wasn't an adjunct. It was a full time, but it was a temporary position temporary. for full time. Mm-hmm. So, it, yep, it was so temporary full time. But not full like load. promised. Exactly. Yeah. Totally, it. totally. So I was like, I love this. I was there. Actually, I started over there as an adjunct. Then they needed somebody to fill it. I'm like, oh, you know, it just seemed like a good fit at the time. I'm like, I'm ready for more responsibility. Like, I love doing this. So um, I moved into the one-year position that they had available. Then I got pregnant with twins. And um, so then I was like, um, I actually was so nervous too about my pregnancy. I did not say anything. Mm. So I remember they took me out to lunch at the holidays and they're like, so, um, and I, I didn't say anything cause I, and like, they were super nice. I was just paranoid. I'm like, I will not talk about my pregnancy cause we had a lot of trouble getting pregnant. Um, so I was like, I just never said it. They're like, is there something like you, you feel like you need to share with us? <laughs> cause I did have like a belly and I'm like, yes. Okay. I guess I can share, but I'm like so nervous. Um, uh, but I, so I told them about that and it just felt like a good time to be done with the university because at the end of the semester in the spring, my twins were born and they're born premature um, at 33 weeks. So they spent a lot of time in the hospital. I honestly had no idea what to expect as a new parent. Um, and especially like I had a lot of, a lot, no, like kind of a lot of issues, surgeries, stuff like that that was required afterwards. I had no idea how I was going to feel. I had no idea. My twins needed special therapies. Like it was a full time, like total craziness. Um, and I was also on bed rest for a large part of it. So I would go teach, I would sit and teach over during my pregnancy. Um, so I feel like that honestly shifted things 100%. And I just felt like it was a good fit not to continue at the university at that point. And I'm like, I'm just going to do private practice because it's a flexible schedule. I can do it on my own terms. Um, they're constantly needing, needing me and like, needing everything and then um crazy enough after that around like four months when they were four months old i was pregnant again with my third um it was a little bit of an accident like i'm like oh gosh i'm pregnant (laughs) again so i had three babies in 13 months so that honestly like so we it was baby land at my house so we ended up moving from um 
Wisconsin to Pennsylvania to move in with my parents because I'm like, I have three babies. My husband travels all the wow. time. Yeah. I took a full-time job at a university. Like they, it was crazy. They ended up needing a sports psychology person. It was a D1 university. I was like, I'm kind of psyched about this. I'm like, maybe it was meant to be like, so I took the full-time job because at that point, my pri- it takes a long time to build up a private practice. I, I had no energy to do the private practice. I'm like, I just can't do it. But what happened was some of my sports psychology clients needed somebody to work with them. And I was trying to identify, do the right thing and identify someone in Wisconsin to work with them. But sports psychology, it's a very specialized area. And there were some people, but like, I'm, I'm very special with like female athletes, mm-hmm. um, with specific types of sports, cross country, gymnasts, um, ice skaters, and Irish dancers, that type of thing. Oh, cool. So I was, yeah. And it reminds me of coaching It's because mm-hmm. you're not doing insurance. It's not anything like that. So it's very much like coaching. So I'm like, okay, we'll try this online thing. I was a little nervous about it. I'm like, I want to do the right thing. And this was back in now 2011, 2012. So I think things were just transitioning in the telehealth and area of like, you can Uh, meet with people in this way. Um, And I just wanted to make sure I was doing it the right way. So you you get very nervous having like, you know, having my license and all these things of like, I want to make sure I'm doing this as ethically as possible. I don't want to do harm, you know, the maleficence and non-beneficence of making sure you do right, don't do harm. So, um, Anyways, I met with him and I'm like, oh my gosh, we did amazing work together. I'm like, I loved it. It worked much better, honestly, for them because these athletes are high level performers. They're in the cars all the time. They're going to practices. They're going to competitions. They're already strapped with um, coursework or yep, tutors. Yep. So they were meeting with me in their car, waiting after their competitions, like whatever they needed. I'm like, shoot, this is amazing. So, um, that's when I'm like, I think I can do this. And it's like, it works amazingly. So I had full confidence in saying like, this works well, but I had to push, I was pushed into it. I feel like by mm. accident, out of demand of the situation. And, yeah, definitely. Totally. Um, so I, then after we, we moved from Pennsylvania to North Carolina. So I left that job cause we moved. I was at the university for two years, but I felt like it was the right time because I, my kids were now, it was a disaster. Just everyone was sick. There was a disaster in the sense the daycare would call somebody's sick. I'm like, Oh shoot. I got to leave guys. Like it was constant. My husband's traveling. So I'm like, I cannot be fully somewhere all the time because they're sick all the time. Or like they also, my third one needed special therapies. I'm like, you just, there's a lot of stuff going on. So um, here we're in North Carolina and something I had always wanted to do was form a life coaching school. So I'm kind of educating, still educating, Mm -hmm. but pulling my experiences as a coach, pulling my background and knowledge as a psychologist to helping inform others. And I feel like I've been... Um, um, you're probably the same way, an astute observer mm-hmm. of trends, of yes, culture, yes. of people, of everything. And so I'm like, gosh, I don't like, I, I wouldn't say like, I have an education in the online culture and social changes that have occurred since 2008. But <laughs> I will tell you, I have observed like acutely all the little shifts that have taken place. I feel like, gosh, I I feel like I can do this pretty well um, and also help others in a way, even though I don't have a formal part of my brain is like, I need a degree to say that I can do this. (laughs) You know, like, where's my degree that says you're you're appropriate for for this. this. Yes, you're allowed. I'm like, is it okay if I say I can kind of do this, even though I would say my knowledge is uh, observations? Like, is that okay? Mm -hmm. Like observations in your own experience? Because I, I feel like this is where some of my like 
overanalyzing. I'm like, can somebody say just because they had an experience in this that now they're an expert in it? Uh-huh. So I, I go through a lot of thinking of everything and I want to make sure it's with integrity. I feel like that's my program, one of the backbone. It's like values, integrity, which is why we are an international, it's the ICF, International Coaching Federation accredited oh, nice. through them. Yeah. yeah, because I wanted to make sure it's ICF accredited. So we we have we make sure our standards of coaching are kind like of matching to the standard. Awesome. Yes, that's like where there's a regulation in the field. Awesome. Yeah. So you brought up something that's interesting because I I like to talk to to my guests about that kind of that moment of I, I know it's not usually one moment. It's usually like all these collected like you know burdens and you kind of make the decision. Um, but just that thought about what was going through your head as you were like, wait, I never thought I was going to do this. Like I have all these degrees (laughs) that I paid a lot of money for potentially and a lot of time. And then to be like, oh, I don't need a degree to do this thing that I ended up doing. Like, how did you reconcile that? Or how are you still kind of dealing with it? So bring us back to that mindset stuff that was happening as you were like, you know, this is this is what I'm going to attempt to do. Yeah, I think it all the time. And I'm like, I want to be cautious because I don't want to, I, in, in our coaching program and like even in my own coaching, you have to understand how your lens influences yep. how you see others. Yep. So I'm like, I don't want to judge others who don't have a degree, mm-hmm. who didn't graduate college. Because I mean, that's honestly how people share their story a lot sure. of times. Like I did this and I'm here. And like, that's amazing. Um, it's kind of their marketing as well. I'm like, that's crazy. And I know my inner judge is like, oh, are you, my, can I stop you oh. for a second? Because are yeah. you yes. talking about your inner judge? Because I get judgy. Well, what's the word? There's a <laughs> lot of anti-education in the entrepreneur space. Mm-hmm. Um, like mm-hmm. to the point where, yes, there are stories totally. of high school dropouts who make a lot of money yes. now. And that story, totally. man, people love that kind of thing, right? It's like the rags yes. to riches, but intellectually. Yes. Yes. So yes. I find I judge people <laughs> I not that. that like, but when they talk negatively about the college experience, and I, I also realize that not everyone is perfect for college and I'm not even arguing that it's great and perfect. Like mm-hmm. I've talked about this already totally. a couple of times. So I'm wondering, yes, is that what you're talking about when you're talking about judgment? Is judgment towards people who don't have the education and then are talking negatively about getting a college education? Um, no, it's, it's my inner judge of like, I have it. And like, why did I even do that? Got it. And like, it's so worthless. Oh my gosh. It goes both ways, w- right? So when we're watching all these people yeah. talk shit about yeah. having a degree, yes. we're like, oh my yes. God, I know I'm six figures in debt actually <laughs> for mine. So for me, I'm like, <sighs> I never yeah. thought I would... Mm-hmm. I, I would be doing something like this. I had this plan to do student mm-hmm. loan forgiveness and all this stuff. And I, you know, whatever. Yes. So yes. Um, I, yes. that's interesting that you bring that up because I have been mm-hmm. asked that question a couple times too. Like, was it worth it? Right. And I'm just like, shit, that's a deep question. <laughs> so maybe it I is. should turn it to it you. Is. Was it worth it? But, yes. but really, like, what do you, yeah. what do you think about yeah. and how do you reconcile getting this degree and then now doing something that has n- not nothing? Because let me tell you what you have been through and what you have done for people is huge and you can help so many people um but yeah how do you reconcile that or is there reconciling that to me you know i think this is a beautiful i feel like where i'm at right now and i'm like i was just talking in another podcast earlier today about it being like wow i'm almost 40 again inner judge coming out i'm like i'm just about 40 and like i'm finally feeling like i'm kind of where i'm supposed to be i'm like wasn't this supposed to happen back at 22 like shouldn't (laughs) i had some more clarity about this before i 
blah, blah, blah. But I will tell you, like, and I, I maybe we talked a tiny bit about this before we even started. Context is everything mm. and context and culture. So blogging became super popular in 2008 because I remember all this because I graduated in 2008 from my PhD program and there's no jobs. It was the recession. Uh-huh. People were yep. blogging for money. That's when I graduated from online. my master's, actually, just to like. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was really hard to get a job. Like, and I remember being like, I am so happy I have a PhD. I have mm. job security. Mm. Like, I will always have a job. I will have a good job. Like I'm really proud mm-hmm. of that. Um, and I'm still proud, but I feel like, gosh, things have changed because no, you couldn't just, I mean, even live streaming coming on, like within induction of Periscope a while ago, which nobody's on anymore, but like Facebook living, like all these things, it's crazy. I don't think we could have ever predicted that you could have accessibility to an audience. It's to so people, interesting. To I love that you're bringing this up. First yeah. of all, because I'm a sociologist and I'm sitting here going, yep, yeah. this is a sociological imagination. We are having yes. this podcast when it is... I wish <laughs> I could say how many more times... Like I don't have any like like math on it, but it is so much easier to start a business now than it was even totally. like three years ago. I was saying this to my husband watching Shark yes. Tank last night. And I'm just like... <gasps> oh yeah, I'm just sitting here going like, you literally can just start a Kickstarter and make a hundred K and then like end up on Shark Tank because you know what I mean? Which totally. they pay you for and all this stuff. Yeah. Like it's a whole thing. Yeah. And like literally you can go on Facebook Live, start a business page and say, hey, look, here's my background, right? I studied this. I've done had this life experience. I'm here to help you do whatever. And people can give you money for that. It's amazing. <laughs> it's crazy. Totally. It is I know, and now with PayPal, you do your little links. I'm like, people can pay you easily online. Again, that's kind of new. Like, Pretty I don't know if that was back in 2008. I mean, so like, I think what I'm getting crazy. from this, and what I'm <laughs> and what I'm learning from having these conversations with academics is we're having this inner turmoil in our head because what's happening culturally and with technology, there are new opportunities that the people who got PhDs before us didn't really have to consider. And so now, like, I just want people to realize if you have a part of you that's even considering like, man, I I don't have control over my day, even though I chose like, I personally chose teaching and um, being a professor because of the autonomy. I thought it was a Mm well-respected job. I was, it was stable. I was paid well enough to make it. And, and I had autonomy, but I really didn't. It's like at the end of the day, someone else gets to decide what class I have to teach and at what time. Yes, And so if you have any like inkling in the back of your mind of like, "Mm, even this doesn't feel that stable. Um, I would just say getting something, having some sort of idea about what you could offer as a service alone as an individual is huge. I agree. I feel like there's no better time for that to happen because I feel like part of this is being curious to yourself of what are you passionate about, what excites mm-hmm. you, what environments energize you, what types of people in, mm, like energize you. You will find something that is a perfect fit for you because I feel like, like I know in, in my past too, I felt like I was, and I think this happens to college students still, it's like they feel this pressure to like get a certain degree because their parents expect them to because because it's that whole separation individuation that's like 
like starting to happen and they're like, oh, I can think for myself, but probably they're maybe their parents are paying for their college education or even if they aren't, they still feel some of that pressure from like, oh, you should do this. This is like an unspoken family value that you pick a choice of business, marketing, accounting, yep. doctor, That's or very whatever. Real. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of students, you know, I, I, I still meet with students actually. I feel like they struggle a lot wrestling that inner, like, where's my voice and like, how does that reflect or resonate then with like my parents' voice and their expectations on me and I want to please them and I want to do what's right for me. Um, so I think it's hard, but I feel like there's no better time that you really can invent pretty much any kind of job thing you ever could imagine, like you can do. I tell them, I'm like, you can honestly. And then I said, the next thing I tell them, I'm like, I would go have some conversations, like information gather, have some conversations. You can never, I, I remember this one student I had that She's like, well, I always, she was fascinated with weather. And I'm like, well, have you called the weather station and like just gone down there, meet people down there and like just see what it's like? And she's like, no. And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to give you like a challenge to go talk to them to do that. So um, she emailed me and she's like, guess who has an internship at no. our local news station? Weather. Yeah. I was like, and yes, you did. There you go. I'm like, you just got to go out and do it. And I feel like that's actually in the academic environment. I felt all like sometimes a little bit like, uh, like you don't dream big. Mm. And I'm like, we totally dream big. Mm -hmm. You dream big. You go do what you want. You find people to talk to. You go, you know, create your own opportunity. You, you have to put yourself out there to have anything happen. Like, don't let your fears stand in your way. Don't let non-creative thinking stand in your way. You have to kind of think, act like big. And I feel like the academic environment, sometimes I feel like there it's too pigeonholed of like the types of assignments that are expected. So my, my assignments were like they would be a little straight i'm like mine you too go have, yeah <laughs> i I'm love like, that but i'm like the weird professor i'm like i'm sorry i'm like i, I would like dress a little funny I, I dress it's funny i'm like i feel like i would dress like a person in the art department i'd have like crazy <laughs> leggings on i, I think it's a lot of this she's a little eccentric like crazy leggings like i love express you can't tell now i don't have anything crazy on but i like to express myself in like images and colors and anyways I it's love part that. of like branding yeah, yeah. that's cool so <laughs> You, what um, what I got out of that too, it's funny, I was thinking in my head, I was like, there's a lot of, um, you know, the academic culture that has an impact on how we think we need to behave. And, and I heard yes. when you were talking about the like, it's, it's the rules or the like, well, this is what you should do. Mm -hmm. Okay. I played by the rules. I applied to these different places. Yes. I, I did, I played the game and I think what, totally. what I'm noticing and, and has been happening for the last, you know, 10 or 15 years, even before, like, it, I think the recession was a big part of a lot of people made the choice to get a degree because a lot of people didn't know what else to do. And like, at least totally. I can get financial aid and like live yes. off of it. And yes. I'm investing in my future. Right. And it was the smart decision to make. Um, and I think what ends up happening is now there's a lot of people who are, who are like, we're like, man, I was sold a, a empty promise. Like I, I don't yes. know. There might not be yes. that academic job. And 
we're not really trained as academics to maybe imagine something else or go out and try to get something else. Um, and I think when it comes to like interviewing and that whole process for interviewing for an academic position, it rigorous, yes. long, yes. and too yes. far between, right? So what do you do mm-hmm. in the meantime before you finally land the gig or or the several gigs mm-hmm. to make one big, you know, worthy gig? Mm-hmm. So it's all of that I'm thinking as I'm sitting are listening, it's like, we have to like, as academics, we've learned a culture. And Mm -hmm. then like starting a business is it almost seems opposite in some ways. But Mm -hmm. there is overlap. So I'm curious if you want to kind of reflect as a psychologist, um, you know, tapping into the stuff, you know, you love to study and have spent your life studying. um, What mindset shifts did you have to make? um, Or what what over what overlap do you see and what like things are different like where where do they diverge where does um academic like life and running a business diverge like how does your skills from an academic like translate in this space so i know that was kind of a big question but you know what? I mean, an easy one is work ethic. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't get through a PhD program no. <laughs> um, by by not being, I would say, autonomous, by not being self-regulated. Nobody's telling you what to do. Like, you better just... You have to be very um, on top of yourself, kind of consistent and like uh, just self-regulated is kind of the best word for that. Um, motivated. Um, I do think like creativity feels mm. super big yes. in um, as an entrepreneur. And like, again, I feel like that's why I love entrepreneur world because I am a very big creative thinker. I love it. I feel like that's what, um, what I, I felt like boxed in a little bit in the academic setting. So I'm like, I have so many ideas, so many options, but like, I feel like I still have to like stick in this box here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like creatively, like if there's a part of you that feels like, I have aspirations. You don't even have to know what it looks like, but but maybe there's just like a feeling inside of you that's like, I feel like there's something bigger. Play around with that, like just flowing thoughts. You don't have to take action on it, but I would say, you know, maybe you kind of just start observing, like what are some people doing? What like energizes you when you look at their, even their branding picture? Because I looked at your branding picture with the apple and I'm like, Love it. Like, like, I just was like, fierce, love it. Yes, rebel, everything. That picture's amazing. It was like, awesome. So it's like, you even like, just whatever inspires you or like gets you going, you're like, yes, like that's, and because that's all meaningful information and you don't have to make sense of it in that moment, but say like, what, how can you listen to that? How can you kind of follow some of your energy and like, let it guide you to where, you could be going and it doesn't mean you give up something because I just had a previous conversation earlier today about like, I, I, I never want entrepreneur stuff to be like, Oh, so pressure filled. I must earn X money. Mm -hmm. I must, it can be. Um, so I feel like, you know, you have to kind of know where you're sitting. Can you, can you still keep your job and like still kind of have a little fun on the side because it can be fun because you don't have to bring home money, maybe still health insurance through your work, like, you know, making it work for you. And I'm all about like, how can you make the situation work for you? 
And like, there's always the way that it'll work for you. So it's just figuring out for you how, how to do that. I love um, that. So I feel like maybe that's like some of the steps of that. Yeah. So you brought up, yeah. So you brought up a couple skills like self, being self-driven, um, the autonomy, um, and like that motivation to like do something bigger than yourself, which I think is a lot of why academics study and like, you know, do stuff. Did you, have you in your kind of starting a business journey and, and running a business for the last 10 years, it sounds like, or getting yeah. close to it, um, whether it was mm-hmm. private practice or online, what were some of the challenges that you experienced um, in, in a business? Yeah. You know, I think this is where like where there's a safety in an academic setting of like, there's a linear process. You go through these sets of courses, then you go to the next one. These are the outcomes. This is what you can expect. And then you get to the end. Hooray. You're like, you're done. So it's a very linear. It makes sense. It's, it's comfortable. Like, you know what? Um, no entrepreneurship is like anything, but linear. It's like all over the place. It's like crazy, but it's amazing, but it's crazy. Um, I feel like you have to have that resilience to be like, okay, um, I'm going to be uncomfortable. Um, I'm going to be really uncomfortable. I might do things that, but uncomfortable might be good. You know, we kind of talk about that in my coaching course. Like uncomfortable might mean like you're moving in the right direction because it's not something you've ever done before, but that's necessary. And like, we need to do that. Um, So say the nonlinear processing of it can be a challenge because if you're a person that's like, I love the A plus B to equal C, like this is, it's going to be like Z plus F (laughs) equals H sometimes, but it might not always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is no formula. It's a little bit confusing. Um, so I guess like that would be a challenge, I think, just to know like, and, and every day is different. I feel like in academic work, in any kind of job, like I don't like the same days to be the yeah. same all the time. Like that's why I love entrepreneurship. I'm like, I hate the same type of days. Totally. I hate it. I hate it. So like if you like the same days every day, like this will be a little challenge because you have to know what to work on. Again, yourself to know what to work on no one's telling you. Um, and you have to be doing different things each day to like get your business, make different relationships, put yourself out there in different ways. Um, kind of how ha- I feel like this is where also a, a challenge that's been for me, as you know, is like technology, um, you know, designing stuff. Like I love design stuff, but like you're going to have to kind of get with it with some skills that might be foreign to you and very scary to you, like technology again. <gasps> very scary to me. That totally will make my anxiety levels like go to a hundred. <laughs> um, so I guess like you're gonna probably have to get some more education, but like casually and honestly, you can YouTube pretty much anything or Google it. Like you can learn a ton of stuff over there about anything. Um, and I think it's also kind of like immersing yourself. I have some friends actually. I, I can't wait to share this with them because they're. People PhDs who are now starting like kind of do some stuff on the side. And I think they're like, well, it's a little harder than I thought it was going to be because like I thought I'd just make a course because they're so knowledgeable. Mm. I mean, they could make the most amazing course and like no one's buying it. Like how am I supposed to sell Mm -hmm. it? So now it's like, okay, um, I've actually started listening to a bunch of selling pod or sales podcasts because and they're actually very masculine. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're very different than I normally would surround myself with because I'm like, I don't like their promo music. Like yeah. it's nothing. I'd be like, I love this. But I'm like, I need different energy. I need different perspective. I'm like making daily efforts to, to like take in information. So I'm like bettering myself. So I'm getting a different take on something that I would never have understood if I'm talking to someone who like I connect with on my level 100%. Um, so I think you have to be doing that. And that's kind of like seeing 
seeking out, seeking out, seeking you, out, seeking out. In this process, did you ever seek a mentor? I know you, you you running a coaching program and stuff like that. You're a mentor for a lot of women in this space. Um, did you go anywhere for guidance and help? Yeah, I in the beginning I did have a mentor and I loved her. Um, I feel like she helped me just get acclimated to. Um, expectations in the online space when you're trying to be profitable. So like, you know, a a strategy. And I feel like I was missing that because I'm very like big picture ideas. And I'm like, I'm not good with specifics and like maybe specific strategy. I have lots of strategies, but like nothing that's cohesive. So she kind of helped me just like, okay, you want to do this? You want to do this? And then I felt like, you know, after about a year I was like, I think I'm ready just to move on with like a different presence. And I still loved her, but I feel like I needed surrounded by a different type of energy. Um, so I actually joined a mastermind nice. that it was like totally. And I didn't, I made sure when I joined it, I was like, I want to make sure I don't know anyone mm. in this mastermind because <clears throat> it's really important for me to get out of my box. I want to be out of my box as much as possible to like meet new people. I want to hear different different, different places, different perspectives of, of new stuff that I'm, I haven't been exposed to. So right now I'm in a mastermind that I, I really appreciate because it's like a different, just different kind of energy. And that makes me like, that fuels me. It's like just being around different, but I, I would say I, I kind of was like for about a year or two before I just joined this other mastermind, I feel like I was kind of floating in a way, mm. but like it was a good floating because I it's kind of I part of the process to, sometimes. I think a little bit. Yeah, I feel yes, the same way because you want to. T- it's like that tapping into your inner wisdom. It's like I wanted to be fueled by myself. Mm. I don't want to be clouded by anybody's else interpretation of what I think I should be doing or what would be appropriate. I'm like I want to be using myself as my guide. And now that I'm like. I'm, I'm guided. I feel really good. Now I'm ready to like step back in to be around some other people. But I needed that like by myself time for a while. Yeah, I love that. I, you know, something just popped into my head. And um, did you have any like mentors or did you seek any guidance when you were in academia? Like when you were studying and getting your PhD, did you go anywhere for help? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I still actually talked to my... It was a former kind of supervisor, but we did try athlons together. She was amazing. She works at the Olympic Training Center right now. So she goes to all the Olympics. I love her. Um, I feel like she was a person that I can kind of talk to and I can still talk to because it's funny you we had started this off of like, are you are you in a different place than you thought you were going to be? So honestly, a recent conversation with her, I was like, I had always seen myself working with Olympic athletes, you know, getting into the Olympic training center. A lot of my friends who went to a school with, they're all getting ready to go to the trials next week in Nebraska. And I'm like, you know, should I be there? Should I be like, Mm. did I miss something? Like, should I be with the athletes going to the Olympic trials in Nebraska next week? Like, did I somehow go wrong somewhere? Like I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And so it was, it's something I honestly, it's still, there's a little part of me that wrestles with that because I'm like, I got such specialized training. I'm on the U S Olympic registry, the sports psychology registry, which is not easy to get on. I'm like, I did all these things. Like there's a part of me that still likes this, but I'm like my, I feel most energized where I'm at, but it, it's still a little part that's like unresolved. I would say, you know, like sure. I'm a little sad. I'm like a little bit sad, but like, I'm also happy at the same time. It's kind of a weird feeling. So she is somebody that, um, 
I feel like just is there to listen sometimes. And I, so she's someone I met at my PhD program. She actually was the person I reached out to with not even knowing her when I was at Minnesota. And I was like, how come I didn't get in? Ah, <laughs> she was the yeah. person I'd reach out to. And um, we just had established a really great relationship from like even that connection. So she's someone that I really appreciate and like trust and rely on. Um, so I guess she would be someone I'd consider a mentor. Cool. I, I I think the reason why it popped up because in my head, um, the way in entrepreneurship, I've kind of always had there's always people available to kind of help you mm-hmm. with the thing that you're working on. I do think yes. there is a it is a little it is a little difficult to be like, what is actually my next step? Like what is actually my yes. next investment, you know, to work with somebody yes. or, or whatever. Totally. Um, and you know, I've made some interesting choices in that path. But I bring it up because I find that when I was in grad school, there isn't typically... It's not common for people to get help. Like there's something about being in academia that's like, well, if you need help, maybe you're not cut out for this. Or like maybe you're not good enough. And I think people found solace in other grad students. I think, you know, in some amazing cases, it was their dissertation advisor potentially Mm -hmm. or the person on their research project. But in many cases, those people were terrible. Like, and and um and you always felt judged by them i think there's a mm-hmm. lot of you know gatekeeping that happens in academia where your future is in other people's hands um in in lots of cases and so i bring it up because i I I like enjoyed my master's program and my grad program. But then when I when it came to the dissertation, there was one part of me right before I started the process that I was like, fuck this thing. It's all rigged. Mm -hmm. No one's even going to read it. This is really (laughs) dumb. Like, why are we playing this game? And then I just something clicked for me. And I don't exactly remember, but I was doing all this research online and all these, you know, grad students were talking about how unhealthy they were, that they weren't sleeping, um, that they were sad and stressed and you know it's this it's the emotional health of someone in a PhD program is you know something yeah. to be talked about um, yes. and i watched a woman a year or two ahead of me not get her proposal approved, which is kind of unheard of, Mm -hmm. and her having to almost start over. And I was just like, what would I have done in that situation? Mm -hmm. And she hired a coach. And there was like, she hired an academic writing coach. And I was like, this was the first time I'd ever heard about coaching. I never heard of that. Right? Yeah. And so I watched her and I was like... smart. Yeah. I watched her (laughs) and I was like... I'm going to get that coach before I fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) And I made it totally. I I came home to my husband and I was like, I think I want a coach. I don't know anyone who's ever done this before. I've never heard anyone talk about it online, but why wouldn't I want a partner that isn't the person who's the gatekeeper? I want to impress totally. her. I want her. My dissertation advisor was amazing. Yeah. Um, but she's mm-hmm. overworked. I mean, that's also... We could mm-hmm. talk about being an academic oh, and being overworked. I know. And totally. she wasn't able to support me. And so what I think a, a terrible, sad thing that is happening to our graduate students is not only are there fewer jobs on the other side of that, stable jobs mm-hmm. and, and well-paid jobs, uh, but even the experience of getting a degree, it's like in many cases, not healthy. It's yeah. it, There's not a lot of support. And so what I want people to realize is entrepreneurship, 
there is support around you of people who are a couple mm-hmm. steps ahead of you um, that yeah. actually make the journey easier in many ways, which is the opposite of what is typical, the typical story in, in academia. It is not just like it's all on you. There are peers, there are people you can hire, there is ways to outsource the projects that you're not good at, all mm-hmm. things you were not allowed to do, mm-hmm. <laughs> not allowed to outsource totally. academia. Because <laughs> you had to be like strong in every mm-hmm. single thing. And you're like, I remember statistics and I'm like, I like I, my brain just does not work in like some specific ways. I'm like statistics, I struggle. And I'm like, just because you don't know statistics, like now all of a sudden, like you're not good at research. Like, I mean, I love research. I'm great at research. Yeah. Statistics, I'm like, I struggle with my research design because I statistics is like a little bit just hard yeah you know hard for my brain to understand but you like you you couldn't you couldn't share openly that you might yes. struggle in a particular area I love what you just said because honestly what I kept thinking about as you were talking like vulnerability mm. I feel like the online space um, and that's why I feel myself in here because I'm being myself I feel like um And I don't feel like this just has to be academia. I feel like in any job or place or position where you are um, kind of being assessed and like part of something like, but, but the key is the people who are also participating in that system are equally not vulnerable are equally like hiding. I mean, I don't know what it was like for them. I can't imagine it's like super comfortable having to feel like you have to be all the time in this one way. So I feel like entrepreneur space, like, this is your strength is your vulnerability is your genuineness to kind of be yourself. And that's so relieving. I know for me, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can like be myself. Yeah. It's amazing. You and know? there's this like, huge I can, focus. I, can, I would say too, like also yeah. with like personal development stuff, which again was yes. not something I was totally into. Exactly. Um, yes. And I'm watching it and I'm like, man, the amount of growth that I've done as a human is like exponential um, to what was happening when I was teaching. Well, a little bit. I looked at my teaching as me wanting to improve teaching and be better at it and get closer to my students and help them them even more. But there's something about in entrepreneurship, being tied to your profitability and like your sales and all this other stuff. It's like, oh, shit, I better learn this like fast. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'd love to <laughs> yeah. hear a, a little bit about what you have going on right now. So people can just hear about what you're doing in this space. Um, and maybe even if you want to share with us some of your goals. Um, I don't, don't want it to be that like serious. But like, where do you no, see yourself? I love it. And yeah. why? you know, why are you doing this online? Like, why are you running a business online? Yes. Good questions. Good questions. So I I feel like my main focus right now is um, my business is called the Conscious Coaching Collective, which my graduate school best friend and I, we both created together. I love the name. Um, It's great. Right now. Thank you. I know. I love it too. Like, it's like everything I feel and embody. um, And it came like naturally. Um, So we have our ICF life coaching program. We have it. We do it one time a year. So it's funny. It's it's very much a translation of my kind of teaching plus like psychology. I feel like Mm -hmm. it's an amazing hybrid of my strengths and passion. Um, so we teach live one time a year. So the program is 12 weeks. We start in January. Um, so we, we teach for 12 weeks. We have a live class for two hours. You have homework. Like it's fun, it's, but it's amazing. Like it's funny. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a good class. Um, 
by the end, so we're it's certified through the ICF. Um, what else? So that's going on. We also have self-study option. So we just introduced that because I had a lot of students that were like, I want to do the program, um, but I like don't have time. And I was like, gosh, if I were wanting to take the program with my three kids, with doing a bunch of stuff, like I'd probably want to do it on my own terms at my pace. So we introduced the self-study, which has been super, I'm shocked. Almost like every day I get an email being like, can I, how do I enroll in the self-study? Or can you tell me more details about the self-study? We just introduced it. It literally, I think like three weeks ago. Awesome. So it's been amazing. And it's at a lower price point. So I feel like it captures people who want to be connected to our community um, and from our, like from to our education to like different topics we teach. Um, so we have that self-study option. And then we also host at the Conscious Coaching Collective a couple other programs. One is the Food Shift because my clinical interests and expertise, and I'm actually, I have a book that's going to be published this uh, this winter on um, my clinical focus. It was all like eating disorders, body image. So it's called the Food Shift. So um, both Kelsey, that's her, that was her clinical interest too. We're really similar. So the Food Shift is an online program where we have a recorded three-hour masterclass, honestly, that talks a lot about the science of eating. It's very fast in the neuroscience, um, science. Um, but also actionable stuff of like when your hormones, when your neurotransmitters, like uh, what, what would we see when that happens? And this can be an explanation for this behavior. Um, so we kind of tie those two together. So we have a masterclass for that, which was amazing. And then, um, 10 video lessons on the kind of why does emotional eating develop and like, what do we do about it? So half devoted to that, half devoted to the other. Um, and then I got this, I'm like super particular about design. So we created, um, and you know, academics, like we created this workbook in about a day. We're like done. It's amazing. It was like beautiful. It's about 50 pages of like, we're so funny. We can like do it so fast when we want to about stuff, you know, you know, so we created this beautiful workbook. I had it branded like design professionally with our content. It's beautiful. Like I'm such a sucker for cute design. I'm like, this is beautiful. I just want to look at the pages and the colors and the fonts and the, like the little geometric shapes that are in here. Like, so that's all part of the food shift. Um, and then I also have a media training over there too, because I'm like, love being in the media. Um, so that's, that's, that's what's to. going on. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. That. No big yeah. deal. I love it. I think that's <laughs> awesome. So um, maybe the last question is, why are you doing this? What What is the impact that you want to have on the world? Um, and and what are you? how you can connect that to your business? Yeah. Oh, that's such a big question. I know. I'm Jeez. sorry. Like, how am I supposed <laughs> to answer that with like yeah. two sentences? And I don't sound know. Good? I should have prepped you with that I one. I, I'm totally just throwing you out there. I, no, no, it's fine. You know what? I thought when when I was doing one on one coaching, I'm like, I love this, but I'm like, I feel like I want to. How can we be like a force of good, an mm. agent of good in the most exponential way possible? And I kept wanting to do like my school idea of like, I really want to have a life coaching school or life coaching program so I can influence like the new life coaches, like a new yep. generation of life coaches who they go out and they work with people in a particular way, with a particular set of values, with their heart and intuition mm. and good stuff as guiding principles. Um, so I feel like that is why I'm like, I, I love that idea of like trickle, 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 yep. like tons of trickle down effects that our one contact can affect like a hundred contacts mm. from just being in our school. You know, like, I feel like that's, I guess what I love about it is as much as possible to have that kind of effect on people. I mean, like, I don't want to be like, I have such an effect, but like, I feel like that would be amazing to think that there's the potential to have that type of influence on people. 
Does it feel different for you um, than teaching in a college? That oh my that's what I used to say about teaching, <laughs> and now I have different thoughts about it. But like, what do you yes. like when you're teaching? You know, sports psychology in a classroom filled with 20 people. Um, you know, they're there for a semester and then they yes. move on. How is that different than what you're doing now? And or how is it the oh, same? Oh my gosh, yeah. good questions. I almost feel like it has to do with the people taking it than uh-huh. it does the ourselves. Yep. Because I'll tell you, every single person that enrolls, it's like coaching versus therapy every person that enrolls like in our program they are like hungry how to make their skills better as a coach hungry for like how can i do this better how can i be respectful to myself have Mm. like be super cautious conscientious intentional um be more reflective so they are so excited to be there that you're like I'm so excited to be here too. Yeah. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. So it's the, I think the people that you, because it's also, you know, a system like, like coaching and like when you partner with a mentor, it's like you are, you're investing money because you're like, I'm into ready to it, go. you know, mm-hmm. like For I'm into part. it, mm-hmm. you know? Yes, exactly. Yeah. You're like, I like ready. that you bring it up like that. Cause I've been thinking about it too. I do miss teaching. I do miss the yeah. random out of the blue email of like, Oh my gosh, the way you <laughs> taught sociology, like changed yes. my life. And that's big. But you're right. There's the pe- not everyone in that room. I, I mean, even I guess in a general online course that we create, I think your school might be different. Um, mm-hmm. I sometimes sign up for courses and you know didn't really have an intention to finish, or it's kind of on the back burner. Um, and so that is different. But I think I just think the environment that we've created in higher education maybe just isn't conducive to um, students getting you know true transformation because there's just so many Mm -hmm. other external Mm -hmm. pressures. Um, And so the Mm -hmm. reason why they're in their class could be any number of variables and, and they're unsure about their future (laughs) and they're anxious about that. And so we're dealing with that on top of teaching our subject. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because to me, this goes down to process versus outcomes. And Mm. there's such an outcome focused on grades, 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 grades. Uh, This is what I tell people in my class. Like when I used to teach, I'm like, I, I'm just imagine you're getting a perfect grade right now. I want to see what you do just by like inserting yourself into the assignment. So don't even worry about it. Like you you got a perfect grade. Like uh, literally, but see, I'm like a weird teacher. Like that's not good. Like that's how it's so interesting. I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) I didn't realize how much we have in common. And I'm wondering as like, you know, I'm releasing this podcast and stuff that maybe the type of professors are people like us who like always felt uncomfortable with the constraints of the system. And like, I was always talking about grades. My husband and I talk about too. He's a physics PhD, uh, really great at teaching physics. Um, and he, you know, we taught, he's just like, man, I just wish people like got the like basic physics education that like the, mm-hmm. c- the world needs. Right. So they can mm-hmm. understand how the world works. Yeah. And I mean, that would just be helpful in so many different ways. Um, but yeah. he was saying that like, it's sad because, you know, a sociologist like me would mm-hmm. never sign up for a physics class because you know what? Mm-hmm. I don't want to fuck up my GPA. Mm-hmm. Like I have, I yes. have a GPA and totally. I can't just like get an F, yeah. like even yes. if I don't understand it. And so he, totally. he even talks about how like the choices of classes that you can take totally. are impacted by your, by what you're, by yeah, the outcome of college which apparently is tied to this like weird number that you never use again but like it does matter in the moment when you're in there and so that impacts learning like how is that not totally (laughs) of course that impacts totally i'm with you so much and the impact the teacher can have and i think there are cool spaces for teachers like us 
where we're kind of like, what if this all didn't matter? And like, you know, I, I would know. talk about that stuff with my students all the time. I know. Um, I know. But I think, and, and there's space for other teachers that are more rigid and have this other view totally. of it. And I'm okay with that. I'm not, you know, Same saying here. that that's bad, but um, there is something to be said for like, what can you actually learn in an environment that has that high pressure? And, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what is it like, what, mm-hmm. like as a, as a, yeah, your inner self, like not, you know, that kind of stuff. Not like what facts can you regurgitate, right? So, yes, yes, yeah. yes. I love it. I love it. I want Such to talk an interesting conversation. Yeah. yeah, so fun. Oh my I mean, gosh. I just love because yeah. I'm like you. I love that you called it. You're like an astute observer. Like, I'm totally mm-hmm. like that too. Like, I'm sitting here analyzing mm-hmm. all this stuff, but yeah. this is, you know, this is what it means to be an academic. And I really like mm-hmm. this idea of kind of taking this online entrepreneurship by storm and being like, you know, there's actually a bunch of, really educated people that are are starting to realize that this is a possibility mm-hmm. for them. So look out totally. because we're going to be having these conversations. Totally. I love yes, it. Yes, yes, <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> so where can people Yay. find you if they want to learn more about your school? This actually might come out timing yeah. wise um, where you might cool. be opening up that new program. Oh, that's great. Yeah, just at our website. It's pretty easy. www.consciouscoachingcollective. If you can spell it all right, you'll land on our page. Like, <laughs> that's you should have number one. <laughs> I'm like, conscious, conscientious. I'm like, oh, geez. Did we like make a tongue twister URL? We totally did. I love um, it. But yeah, consciouscoachingcollective.com. Cool. And Facebook. Yep. And yeah. I'll drop some links in the show notes and <laughs> oh, stuff so thanks. people can click through. Um, it was such a pleasure having you. And I'm just like, the more people I interview, and I'm like, oh my gosh, we should be like, <laughs> best friends. <laughs> we we would have been friends group. in school when we were teaching. We totally would have. We totally would have. I love funny. it. So Aww. I'd love to have you back well, on later you. and we can talk about who knows other things, teaching and Tons all that stuff and learning. Yes. That would be really fun. Yes. Awesome. Love it. Okay. Aww. Well, take care. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.